So you know how we're always asking you guys to leave this podcast a review? Well, reviews have been on our minds so much that we decided to get in Trustpilot's very own head of social media and community, Leah Silverlock, to talk to us today all about the power of reviews for any brand or business. Now, as we know, reviews from peers are 12 times more important than anything your company could ever say about itself. And Leah's seen this firsthand, not just through the brand she works with at Trustpilot, but through managing and improving Trustpilot's own online reputation over the last seven months. Yeah, reviews are so important. I myself use reviews for just about everything. I'll design a whole holiday around what I see online in terms of reviews. So that's how important they can be to brands. And talking to Leah there, we covered a whole host of topics, including why negative reviews can actually be better than positive reviews for brands, and also how to avoid getting your brand sabotage with bad reviews, so to speak, from online. So there are certain tactics that that Leah covered in the pod. And finally, why making reviewing easy for customers is absolutely the key to getting those positive reviews through. Leah, welcome to Social Minds. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. It's really good to be here. Good to have you. Every week we kick off with that overarching question. And this week that is, why do brands and businesses need to prioritize their reviews? I think I have like a relatively simple answer, but you can let me know. So I think like with the rise of like social and different kinds of review platforms like Trustpilot, the reality is like a business no longer is what they say they are, but what their customers say they are. So if we look at, like, I'm going to throw a couple of stats in here, but like 89% of consumers in the UK say that they check reviews before making like any kind of purchase online. So the reason that they do that is because like in contrast to like a marketing team or like a branding team, PR teams, whose like overarching like purpose in a business, if you like, is to sell the product. This feedback is from real people who want to help each other. So I think it's all about, and I don't, I like, Saying a word that I absolutely hate, but I can't think of another word, is more like real or authentic kind of views on a product. So it's no longer businesses pushing what they are. It's about other people and other voices. I definitely. It makes sense to me that people would trust the voices of other consumers or people on their level as opposed to what the brand is actually saying about itself. Um, So I've got a stat here of my own that says uh, product reviews are 12 times more trusted than any product descriptions or sales copy that you might write. Um, But Mm -hmm. why do you think that is? Why do you think what makes us trust the voices of other people more than what a brand has to say? I think there's just a lot of mistrust when it comes to brand and manipulation of different platforms. And I think that other people's voices can be more relatable and more accessible to you. And, you know, you can find context in what they're saying and what it relates to you and what you're looking for. So I think reviews, and also you get loads of different perspectives and Trustpilot or different review platforms are like, they're melting pots of perspectives on Mm. an experience. So there, you know, there are different interactions between a customer and you know, a different kind of shop. And it's all about a perspective of an experience. You know, mm. you could walk into a business and buy something or you, you know, buy something online and, you know, the person that you've bought that from thinks that you've had a great time, but you're actually walking away not satisfied and it's all about perspective. And I think being able to relate that back to other people and then have them kind of pick through different perspectives 
they can kind of then relate that back to their own situation. I think that that's really valuable to other people. Yeah, that's a really good point, actually. Um, because even when I'm looking at reviews, even if something has like lo- lots of reviews and a few of them have different opinions and they're sort of contradicting each other, you will look through, won't you, and sort of find the one that you think is going to reflect your own perspective or like you gravitate yeah. towards that. Like you want that little bit of confirmation. Yeah, it kind of makes it more true to you and to what you are looking for. From your point of view then, Lee, are you a big reviewer yourself? I'm actually not. And I feel like that's a terrible terrible thing to say I'm actually if something's really good then I tend to contact a business directly and so I had so we were shooting some content for a recent campaign and the food at that shoot was incredible like I have never had catering so good before and it was it was just perfect and I mean I was a bit high on adrenaline from like a 12-hour shoot but I emailed them directly and just said look this is the best catering I've ever had on set it was delicious and I just wanted to say like thank you so much it was everything was on time it's hot and it was just so good and I'll definitely be using you again and I went directly to them and I think when we think about like a negative experience because like you just touched on like when people have a bad time you know they they tend to want to tell everyone about it and I've had that situation happen before actually something recently where I was just raging it was like I got stuck in Sheffield on my way back from Nottingham to come back to Glasgow and I was just like livid at like the east coast or the east midlands train service I was just fuming and I was thinking about it and I was just like people need to know and I was like I was so pent up and frustrated from all this travel and all this like changes and train delays and stuff and I was like what actually would help this brand what would help them what is constructive like what feedback can I actually give and I decided not to do anything about it because I was so livid but it was going (laughs) through that process of like what actually matters to them and what can I say about this situation Mm. other than I hate you and (laughs) you ruined my day yeah and I was just trying to look for that like constructive nugget of information and, and I didn't have it so I didn't write the review but obviously people don't always don't always work work that way but yeah positive I always feel like I I like to go direct to to the person the reason I ask so basically I'm like I say I'm not a massive reviewer myself mm-hmm. but I will look at reviews for absolutely everything restaurants yeah. shops absolutely everything so what's the actual psychology behind leaving reviews and what really motivates people to do that if we drill down into the psychology of it like and we go into like the psychology of maybe like community I think like people's overall aim or like the aim of kind of coming together is to enhance your quality of life and to do that through like collaboration and like taking action and like research I think people leave reviews because they believe that by taking this kind of action they're helping other people so like they're helping to like build conversations to help build connections between businesses and consumers. And I think that that's really what it is. It's, you know, coming together and taking action and feeling like you're being helpful. Definitely. And I, like I say, I'm, I, I read so many reviews all the time and yeah. a little bit of a review snob. So anything, 
I'd say below like a four and a half out of five. Oh, I, I struggle. Oh. I cannot rate anyone below a three stars. It's, check out my Goodreads. I could completely hate a book, but I won't rate them <laughs> under three because I think the author can see that. I don't want them. They put so much work into that. I don't want to make them feel yeah. bad. But it's if it's three stars, it's bad. I guess it's a little bit different when it's like a kind of a, a restaurant, maybe not, but like a shop, for example. You've never really kind of, or the train line, for example. Let's take the train. Mm. So you've never met the, <laughs> never even met the driver. You've never met the owner of the company yet. The service is terrible. But what? So what are people most likely to complain about then? And what can brands learn about that from, you know, like a modern consumer expectations point of view? I think there's like a lot, a, a lot to learn. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the main thing is like being able to implement changes based on reviews. So like feedback loops, you know, if we take businesses that can't compete on price, for example, so the likes of like big businesses that kind of monopolize the market, reviews can like really demonstrate that you can compete on other levels. So you can compete on like customer experience or customer service or, you know, like website content, all these different things. So it kind of allows people to play in the game when they can't compete on price. And I think something that can that we can learn from is being able to kind of show that you value and, and like listen to your customers and that, you know, no one expects a hundred percent perfect five-star service, but they expect when they feel like they've been wronged or they've had a negative experience, they expect some sort of recovery from the business. So they expect some sort of care to be taken by that business when they've had that kind of experience. And I think that's really valuable to be able to kind of feed that into a feedback loop. I think it's an important point as well that a lot of times that people go on these sites I imagine is you know it's not just to complain about the product or like the food they've had or comment on that but probably like how they were treated I mean have you noticed Leah if there's more of a split in terms of what people are more likely to have a moan about or to comment on in a positive light whether they sort of prioritize how they were treated so like customer service or the actual material thing they've received whether it's you know a piece of clothing or a meal I think we tend to see more in a review when it's about an experience Mm. rather than the product itself because people like I said before you know it's a perception there's context and people want to be able to give context so when people have had a negative experience it's like a personal thing so they want to tell more about that story whereas like the product reviews can be really simple like product was great or you know the Dyson Airwrapped were perfectly or you know all those things and you can tell I've been watching a lot of TikTok because Dyson area instantly <laughs> yeah, just too. came to my me head too. there um, but yeah so I think like when it's a personal experience and it's um, something to do with customer service or that kind of customer experience you tend to get more detail so my next question sort of has two schools of thought and I want to talk about the impact of reviews on brands and businesses that you guys obviously will know from having worked with various companies you know, who want to sort of get them get themselves out there on Trustpilot. Mm-hmm. But I guess what is the impact for brands and businesses when they have, you know, a bunch of negative reviews, perhaps? And then also, what is the impact of not allowing reviews whatsoever or sort of not making that readily available to people versus, you know, having that open for them? I think the impact is actually the same for me, from my perspective. And from our perspective, it's on one side, the negative 
reviews are an opportunity. So they are so precious to creating a feedback loop. So being able to feed that back into your brand, being able to have the opportunity to be responding to reviews is so is is so valuable. You know, it's valuable to your product development, it's valuable to your tech teams, it's valuable to marketing. Just being able to kind of like crowdsource all of this feedback mm-hmm. is a really powerful thing. And when you gatekeep that, when you don't allow people to do that, you're missing this huge opportunity. Like, you know, talking about negative reviews for example, you know, responding to those reviews shouldn't be seen as this kind of like horrible, traumatic experience for a, a business. Yeah. Like, you know, we need to remember that it is an opportunity. Like you're not just responding to that one person who's had that experience. You're acknowledging their experience, but it's about other readers. It's about other potential customers. Like Calum, you've already mentioned that you probably don't write that many reviews but you read a lot of reviews Mm -hmm. and that's who you're talking to really so like ultimately it's why people leave reviews like to reach and inform other people not only for their own sake you know it's such a good opportunity and I don't see why someone would want that want to not have that I think so many brands are just scared of getting that negative response and just sort of you know, having to deal with it. And also when these things are on a public forum, they don't want other people to see. Even if there's no guarantee of whether or not their reviews would be bad. It's like when some YouTube channels just turn off all comments because they're like, just in case it's bad, we'd just rather not engage at all. But I guess you're missing out on an excuse to improve then. Yeah. And you're missing out on an opportunity to educate people about your product, Mm. which I think is really important. You know, provide context. You know, when you're responding to reviews and it's something that we're really working on is provide context into why these things have happened. And you don't have to have all the answers. You don't like you don't have to fix the situation in, you know, 300 characters. It can you know, it's it's just about acknowledging it and accepting the criticism and being like, is this actually valuable for me? Mm -hmm. This does this work for our business? You know, 100 people are saying that they don't like that we close for a two-hour lunch during the week. Okay, cool. So we're missing out on all all these people coming into our business. We're missing out on all these people doing and taking an action that could lead to sales. How can we change? How can can we kind of move and flex to fit their their needs? I just think it's, it's just so valuable. I also think there's maybe a merit to having these reviews readily available on a review mm-hmm. platform like Trustpilot. Because if you take that away from people, you don't engage that. I guess people in their anger would probably turn to more more public forums like social media oh, yeah. channels. And if you know there's someone with a lot of followers, that's immediately more detrimental because that's sort of going to stick out on a profile where you know it doesn't belong there it's going to be way more obvious yeah like we have access to so many platforms and so many community-based platforms or long-form platforms like reddit that if someone wants to say something about your brand they will say it Mm -hmm. so you can you can monitor and control the narrative but 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 yeah but but you can have your say yes at least you can be part of the narrative exactly and it will save you a lot of time and a lot of social listening and a lot of going out and finding this kind of feedback if it is contained into one place so yeah Mm. gatekeeping yeah I, i mean i don't understand it because like we all work in social so we know what happens 
on social. We know that people will, you know, take to take to the platforms and kind of have have their say. And you know, we we hope that they are constructive, and we hope that they're not just you know viral rants. But yeah, without that, like without having a place to go and give feedback, then it's uh, it's just fair game. Yeah, just to, just to pick up on a point that uh, we've, I think mm. both of you mentioned actually, in terms of that kind of sabotaging, you know, with with bad reviews, I actually saw a really niche example the other day whereby it was a football journalist, Guillaume Balaguer, and he was reporting on um, the Everton manager who's now sacked, Rafa Benitez, and he, he wasn't really he, he wasn't mincing his words about the club, so he's kind of telling it how it was. He was saying that it was mm-hmm. the club that needed to change, not the manager. So he's just released a book, this journalist, right? First thing the Everton fans did when they heard that he was kind of having a go at their club, flocked to his book on Amazon and they downgraded it. So he, he had literally, he was like kind of five stars or reviews, absolutely peppered it with one star reviews. And his book on Amazon now has just been absolutely ruined. So he's obviously down the charts, obviously then directly has an impact on his income, his revenue, his livelihood. So reviews, like it goes to show how important they are, right? Like I th- mm. I found that actually really scary to be in a public eye. He spent years writing this book. No doubt it's a great book. And just because he said something that a fan base doesn't like, they can almost, it's almost go back to cancelling, right? You can almost yeah, yeah, cancel yeah. him there. So with positive reviews, obviously they're so important for brand performance and whether that be, you know, an author or an actual brand itself, how can brands prevent either rival companies or people or enemies or, you know, other people basically sabotaging them via bad reviews? Is there a way without kind of gatekeeping that they can do that? I mean, first off, I think that all reviews are important for brand performance. And like, obviously, we've just mentioned feedback loop, like positive or negative. They can both be of equal value. And I think this kind of sabotage element it actually happens a lot less often than people think. So like the majority of businesses like want to act with good intentions. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we obviously can't speak for the for our entire industry here, but what we see on our platform is that the majority of people don't want to sabotage and they they just want people to leave them reviews and go about their go about their day. And we kind of safeguard a lot of our platform on Trustpilot. You know, mm-hmm. we've invested in a lot of R&D in our uh, offices in Edinburgh and they kind of help to develop our software and different they learn from different kind of behaviors and like review patterns they're constantly looking to protect the platform from what we call like bad actors Mm -hmm. and those kind of seeking to abuse and kind of manipulate reviews so we have like automated fraud and anomaly detection software and you can read like more about it on our website but you know, and a team of experts who analyze and identify and like take offline content, which we like suspect to be like people misusing our platform. And we kind of use like different, different like data points or data sources to do that, both external and internal. So that's like IP addresses, regulatory bodies, like making sure that our investigations teams mm-hmm. are checking different businesses so that they're to see that if they are being investigated. But yeah, the majority of people on our platform use it the way that it's intended to be used. Mm. And I think this kind of like cancel culture or this like sabotage culture that, that, that you're talking about, Callum, is I think if we look at it in terms of like fan base and the power of community and the power of 
a fandom. Mm. I think that's really where we see that huge movement and that huge kind of, because people, if you're a fan of something or you're part of a community, there will be members of, of that community who are like diehard die fans. Like they're not fully informed of context or what's going on and they'll just go where other people are going. So they'll do what other people do. And that is one of the dangers of having like a really big community or a really big fan base. Yeah. And not educating them as a brand. So in that situation, I think it's up to the football club or it's up to the brand to actually issue statements to make sure that that, that, that fan base aren't behaving in a sabotage awful way. I think, do you know what? I think part of it, it's a shame that they've obviously found like one book that's on Amazon and they've done their sort of dirty work there. But you know, when you were yeah. speaking just then, Leah, about all the ways that you're able to safeguard your, you know, the brands that you work with mm-hmm. and, you know, keep up the integrity of those reviews. I think that's why me as a consumer, tend I tend to be much more trusting of, the, of something like Trustpilot because I've heard mm-hmm. that, you know, Amazon reviews can have you know, a lot of fake reviews yeah. or they're a lot less regulated because that isn't, that platform is bread and butter. And I would be more inclined to, even if I saw, you know, a really bad review on Amazon or I saw loads of one-star reviews that had no explanation. Yeah. I think consumers can be, you know, savvy enough to sort of guess what's going on. And while that's going to impact, you know, that book's ranking in the charts, for example, people mm-hmm. who are interested in it, hopefully are still going to be interested in it, right? Yeah. And I mean, like if, like we've done, Trustpilot invests so much into these kind of safeguarding actions and into kind of R&D of product and security. And in 2020, like we haven't released our 2021 numbers yet, but alone we removed like two, I think it was 2.2 million fake reviews. Right. Um, and that's, I think that's just over 5% of all reviews mm. submitted. So although it seems like a lot, it's in the grand scheme of things, it's only like a really small portion of the reviews that are on on yeah. the platform. I guess going back to this point now on like fandom and community, which piqued my interest, I want to talk a little bit about preempting some reviews. So I guess if you have like a massive fan based community that is really passionate, you'll sort of like hopefully know what not to say to you know tick them off, and you don't want to do that. So I guess how can brand brands anticipate? Um, certain reactions and intercept their customers before they can, you know, start to get to that point where they're damaging a reputation. So I guess it's maybe like, you know, paying attention earlier or listening to other signals that, you know, your audience has something to say. Yeah, I think listening is probably a key thing. And we obviously, as people who work in social, it's a term that that we hear a lot, like social listening and like online reputation management and just having the time and resource to to look into what people are actually saying about your brand and being able to see it coming, I think, is a really big thing. So being able to spot the kind of the first kind of rumblings of an issue and being able to take action instantly on that. But like I said before, like it is all an opportunity when people leave reviews that you might view will damage your reputation or they are still an opportunity for you to provide context and to be a part of the narrative as you said before Eve mm-hmm. so they are and also I fully understand as a social team that is privileged to have 
more than one person on it, we obviously have the resources to be able to do that, to be able to look and see and kind of preempt conversations that are happening and also to engage back and forth and kind of take those conversations head on. But yeah, I think like my, the main thing from me for intercepting even, I wouldn't even, I don't even really like to use that term because I feel like people are going to review you whether it's on a platform or it's on social media, or it's some somewhere else. So I don't really think that you can stop people having an opinion on an experience that, that they've had. Mm. But yeah, you can be part of the narrative, and you can kind of have have your say, yeah. if, if you like. Hopefully, like just being intuitive enough to respond to that problem before it becomes something yeah. where they are leaving a really big rant and you've really pissed them off but yeah I mean I guess you know when you're talking about that it's from more experience than just the brands that you work with right I know when we first spoke you talked a little bit about how Trustpilot's own presence on social and online mm-hmm. across various platforms is something that you're working to improve that company's reputation so what have you learned from that um from managing i don't know be it you know feedback or complaints or positive uh, comments what have you learned from the feedback you're receiving and um, that can help you with the brands that you're working with now yeah i mean like it's a slow road i think I, I'm, I'm really really proud of where we've gotten to in like the last seven eight months across social for for Trustpilot and, and across like different kind of ORM platforms and it, it, like it might not look like we've done a lot to like external eyes but yeah the work over the past seven months kind of really paved the way for us to be able to like activate some really great consumer-like campaigns which we've just launched but the main things that I have learned and I think there's yeah two it would be accessibility and social listening so accessibility in like a couple of different ways so we love when you know we all work in social we love to drill down into like audiences and segmentations and like create strategies best off like specific targeting and that's what we do because we have access to all like this information across digital platforms and like we all love it it's great but at Trustpilot we need to cater for the many so like there are so many diverse groups of people with different needs and to do that we need to be accessible so we need to be always providing context we need to always be talking to people like human beings and like we're having a conversation with them so our responses and how we communicate with people are not copy and paste answers they're not you know Um, branded jargon we're talking to people on a human level so we're constantly meeting people at their own level and constantly meeting people at the language that they use and we feel like that's had a huge difference it's made a huge difference in how people communicate with us and how people um view our content or engage with our content you know like when I started seven months ago we were tracking like maybe like 85, 90% like negative across all of our content on social. And just by communicating effectively and in a real way, I was about to say authentic there for a second when I saw myself, <laughs> um, but communicating in like a real personable way, we've seen that drop down right down to like 15% negative sentiment, which is huge. And it's because we're answering and we're there. So we're being accessible through language, but we're also being physically accessible and we're not shying away from 
people talking to us and mm-hmm. people having this kind of negative view on us or people asking us questions and why isn't my review online or, you know, all these different things. So we're being accessible through language, we're being accessible through physically being there and answering questions and providing that kind of context. And then we're also being accessible in terms of alt text and making sure that everything is safe and correct and Mm -hmm. right for people that have those needs. So accessibility is a massive thing that I've learned. Actually, three I've I've got three things. Another thing is, if it doesn't work, it's a waste of resource. So we're constantly moving and flexing. And we're moving where we believe people are consuming. So for us, that's testing and investing in new platforms and kind of putting to bed the platforms that we don't see big ROI from. So like traffic or engagement on an organic kind of level. So we're moving away from the old and into kind of new platforms. And I know that we spoke about this before, but a huge thing for Trustpilot 2022 is going to be Pinterest Mm. because we believe that that's a space. I mean, I say we believe. I'm really just pushing it down everyone's throat. (laughs) (laughs) I can can empathize with that. But if our word counts for anything, I think, you know, that that's a really good decision. Yeah. And I think it's a platform that's got a lot to offer. You know, I, I really think that we can be a brand that really plays within that space. And, you know, its whole purpose is traffic driving and who... When you're a reviews platform, that's what you want. You want traffic. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so we're kind of moving as people are moving and as people are consuming. And the third kind of big thing that I've learned is social listening. And I've kind of touched on it already, but, you know, we preach this feedback loop and it's something that we're investing in heavily. So we need to know what people are saying about us and we need to know what people want from us. And like, of course, we can't implement every single piece of feedback because that's madness. But what we can do is kind of create this like bigger picture Mm -hmm. and feed it back into the business. And it's so valuable for us to grow as a brand and as a product, you know, to know what people are saying about us and taking those things on and being able to make those changes for for people. Not only does it kind of cultivate this like level of trust that we all want, but it also allows us to be constantly bettering ourselves. And yeah, we are massively investing in it here, especially on the social team. So we're growing the team out and we've got like dedicated people who are working on social listening, ORM, and like what we're calling community experience. And those roles really focus on just listening to what people are saying, like scouring the deepest depths of Reddit or, you know, joining multiple different discords and all these things and just listening and just having just basically reporting back across those conversations and of course like that is a privilege 100 percent. as you know i've worked in multiple levels of social teams where you're a one-person team you're like a three-person team and we're very lucky to be able to have that privilege of having a team big enough to kind of cater to every aspect of social. So yeah, living the social dream, I, I would say for the past seven months, actually that, that's not true. It's been hard work, but we're here now. <laughs> Another thing we like to do on Social Minds is to make sure that our listeners have um, advice and the stuff that they can take away that's actionable. So mm-hmm. what I want to do is set the scene for you and then see how we can 
I take some actionable advice from it. So, you know, when you've been to a restaurant on holiday, right? You've had a lovely meal, your waiter comes over, you've got the bill and then drops a little card on the table and it's like reviewers, raters on and then whatever platform they're on. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit old school, but it does probably help. I think if you had a really nice meal anyway, like you say, you've kind of, you, you know, I don't know, like your dopamine's flowing. If I'm applied like, full of good food and wine, it'll be like five yeah. stars. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Especially if you've got a QR code, I'm straight on it now. Anyway, (laughs) so it might be a bit old school, but I think it definitely does help in terms of positive reinforcement online. So to move into the current landscape, how can brands encourage customers to leave more positive reviews? Obviously, it's the holy Mm -hmm. grail. That's what everyone's after. Is there anything they can do that is actionable uh, that they can take away and try and implement? I feel like with my brand hat on here, and I said it before, that... (laughs) both positive and negative reviews hold equal weight. Like I think that negative reviews are more important to a business. For example, they're more important for a business to kind of look inward and figure out what they need to fix. But then positive reviews, obviously they help other people wanting to buy a product or, you know, go for that kind of same experience. I think by adapting to technology and like use just said it, Callum, like being able to make your review platform accessible Mm -hmm. and really easily, like we are lazy. Like, let's just say it, like we are all lazy. I'm very lazy. We're all lazy. And if I have to take an extra step or do like four or five things to leave you a review, I'll get to step two and I'll just be like, nah, I can't bother yeah. yeah, absolutely. I know even when you mentioned QR code, then I'm like, oh, I have to open the yeah. thing. But now is like, I mean, I think I saw like a meme at the beginning of the pandemic and it was like a round of applause meme for like, it's only taken QR codes 20 years to get yeah. famous. Yeah. And it's so true. And, you know, they're huge in Japan, and Hong Kong, China, like they're massive. That is how they purchase and how they interact on platforms like WeChat. Mm. So... I think we've all been kind of conditioned here in the UK, and I can't speak for other markets, both in the UK, because of track and trace, we're all very used to that kind of QR code, clicking on a little browser, filling something in. And even that, like, yes, it is very annoying, but it's less steps than, hey, here's a business card with our website on it. Please type in this website address. Yeah. And then, so it's, I think it's about making it easy and accessible and you know we see a lot of brands do it we see a lot of brands like promoting that they're on Trustpilot and to leave reviews and you know there are different things that we do as a business or that brands do when they're like you know following up after someone's made a purchase and they're kind of just constantly in that nurture stage which is great because you're always kind of reminding people that you're there but yeah Easy access, accessibility, I think, are like the key things. And just remember that people are lazy. Great advice. That I think one, obviously, one or two clicks. That's the dream, right? Obviously, I mean, people yeah. can leave paragraphs or reviews if they if they wanted to, but yeah. you know, typically it's a I've been well served here, or customer service is great. I'll leave five stars, thank you. Yeah. And if I can do that in two clicks, then mm. I'm I'm very generous with my five stars. So I'll be uh, yeah. I'm more than happy to give them out if I can do it in two <laughs> clicks. <laughs> I think one last question that I'm asking for no reason uh, other than interest, definitely not because I want uh-huh. people to review Social Minds. Um, okay. But <laughs> if we're talking about, you know, getting, uh, wanting to incentivize reviews from more u- mm-hmm. users um, to like leave positive reviews or reviews of any kind, 
do we encourage that or can that come across, do you think, as a little bit beggy, a little bit fake or a little bit like asking or buying for good PR? I think as a brand and as a platform, it is strictly against our guidelines for you to incentivize the leaving of positive reviews. Or even like calling to it, I guess, maybe not like offering them a reward, but you're calling it out. Yeah. I mean, I think like calling it out, I think, I mean, that's just like the general standard practice, I think, for brands at the moment anyway, is like, if you've had a good experience, leave us a good review. And I think that there's nothing wrong with that. But I think the incentivization of it, you know, because there's no real proof that incentives like can sway a review. I'm not gonna lie, we've, we've tried it a few times. And I actually will say I don't think incentivizing reviews works because like we've talked yeah. about, if it's not easy for people anyway, if they haven't been motivated in that right way, then mm-hmm. there's very little I think you can do to force that behavior. You have to sort yeah. of put the steps in place for them to want to do it or feel good about doing it. And the only yeah. way to do that is to just keep doing your shit really well. I was going to say, dare I say, <laughs> your, your product or your service just yeah. has to be quite good. Going back to that psychology element of it, mm. of like being part of a community and as naff as it sounds, mm. but like people do want to help each other. So tapping into that so if you as a brand have a really strong kind of sense of community you're probably more likely to see people generate reviews so it's about looking about how you operate and what you're really offering people you know are you offering people the chance to be part of a support network are you offering people you know the chance to have their say on like a really like shit hot product that's like doing the rounds on tiktok right now so it's all about that kind of digging a little bit deeper into why people would want to leave a review Mm. is maybe the angle to go down there um and kind of looking at the psychology aspect of it because you know like we all focus on ratings right i mean i work in ratings and you know i come from like an entertainment background where at some points like I worked in theater marketing and you know five star review is like the golden ticket Mm. to selling tickets and this culture of always seeking the five stars is great and you know people should want to do that but they should want to get five stars for the right reasons yeah no, because they they have good practice they are doing the right thing their product is good but by trying to get five stars when you're not a five-star product or you're just bad business, it just doesn't work and yeah. people are always going to see through it. And what what like people really should be striving for rather than the number of stars is that they should be really hoping and pushing for constructive and honest reviews yeah the feedback I think that's I think that's way more important and way more interesting I think if it's something you can actually act on and hear from people yeah much more interesting than like a no comment but you've left like I don't know like three or five stars and there's no words that I'd much rather see what people have to say like whether it's good or bad yeah and actually a brand that does that really well is Monzo Mm, yeah like they are really great at kind of taking feedback and building community and generating a feedback Mm. loop that makes their customers feel part of the product and that's kind of ultimately what you want is for people to feel like they have their say and obviously there's this different you know like money is such a personal thing 
you look at um, Glossier as well, like sort of everything they do that's product-based comes from their community. Like that's how they started. Yeah. Every product they bring out is either, you know, crowdsourced or I think they've got a Discord now, but it used to be a blog and they take those recommendations, sort of aggregate them and see what's most popular and then work on yeah. products that way. I think I actually learned about this from listening to a Social Minds podcast. Oh God, I've talked about it before. <laughs> Ah, I, so, I tend to shout out and like repeat my own favorite examples <laughs> and my own favorite now. brands. But yeah, I, I probably have mentioned Glossier before. I think it was because oh, one of my favorite episodes is the Etsy episode. And I think it was that when we we're talking about community. And yeah, because Glossier weren't they like the first beauty brand to basically just create like a community forum mm-hmm. and then they develop products based off the back of that. Yeah. See, you can really learn something if you listen to this podcast. And now if Glossier is listening, know that I love you and I want you to come on the show. Yeah. So. Lee, if you could just leave a review for us, that would be great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I I think I have left one, oh, actually. Okay. Oh, amazing. Well, we'll, have to dig, yeah. we'll have to dig that out. But everyone Good follow girls. follow Leah's lead and leaves a review. Um, but I think, you know, that's... A really interesting chat for today. There's a lot of good points for our listeners to take away there. Um, And yeah, get encouraging people to leave reviews and don't shy away from the negativity and the feedback. Yeah, it's all about feedback. And the goal is constructive and honest. That's what I would say. Wise words. Well, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much. So we're not going to ask you again about reviewing this podcast. <laughs> We've said it about eight times already. <laughs> but I was I really enjoyed the episode. As I said, you know, I I basically live by reviews. So knowing yeah. a little bit more of the kind of the psychological um, aspects to it and and how people are more incentivized to go to you know go to a, a review site and negatively review a business mm-hmm. compared to positive, it does make sense because you know obviously if you've had a bad experience or a negative mm-hmm. experience, you're raging, so you want to vent. So that does make sense. But I think um, Leah's point there on communication and how they actually talk to people and the language they use on social especially, it makes them much more personable. So almost kind of that first port of call is to maybe try and chill people out a little bit before they then go <laughs> on and, you know, vent yeah, yeah, yeah. online. There's some, like, key points there, I think, for preventative measures. And when Leah was saying about how people are more likely on the whole to negatively review a brand when they've had like a bad customer experience or like someone's spoken to them in a in a bad way or they feel like service was slow or the communication was bad. All of that stuff tends to be more detrimental or more provocative, um, you know, to encourage someone to leave a negative review than a bad product or like yep. if they found the actual, you know, food or piece of clothing a little bit disappointing or something was lost in the mail or, or what have you it's how you're actually speaking to people that's affecting it and that's I guess been proven in everything Leah was saying about how they've seen I've forgotten the percentage now but she said it was like 95% negative or something and like mm. all the way down now after seven months just from replying to people and hearing them and validating what they have to say and being present I think when she was describing that sort of slowly chipping away it sounds like how you know you'd improve your credit score over time <laughs> like it's a bit of a slog but yeah. it's absolutely worth it as opposed to just sort of ignoring it and you know ignoring the problem and it's still going to be negative in the background whether you're there or you're not well there's nothing more frustrating than obviously having one bad service or product then leaving your negative review and then for it not to be heard it mm. just like it sort of cements that. that opinion for you I exactly think. yeah so for them to kind of step in there and be that like you say preventative measure it's great i think mm. my favorite thing that leah said in this pod was negative reviews are probably more important to businesses mm-hmm. and positive reviews are more important to consumers mm-hmm. so like i say you know i'll 
typically find a restaurant that I like. I'll have a look through. And like I say, I'm a bit of a snob with this with a 4.5 rule. But if it's above 4.5, I'm I'm game. That's me sold. And I'll tend to ignore the little one star reviews in between. Yeah. Because I'm looking for those positive reviews to reinforce my opinion of this mm-hmm. restaurant. Whereas negative reviews, obviously, they can be seen as a positive in a way to business because it's it's a, a chance for them to improve on yeah. something that went wrong and if we're not looking to improve in, in you know, day-to-day life, whether it's your business or the business you work for, then what's the point? No, definitely. I don't know about you, but I tend to pay more attention to negative reviews about like products or things I'm going to purchase and buy mm. for a specific purpose as opposed to a restaurant because that I feel is way more subjective. I'm like, yeah, maybe right. you didn't like the food, but maybe I would. You're right. um, but I, I do look out for negative reviews if it's a piece of clothing or, or whatever or something that I need. But if the brand has then responded, perhaps correcting them or explaining the situation, I'm just here trying to learn more about it. So any further context can only help. Mm. And I honestly think that that would that would sort of not change my mind, but make me not take that one negative review as gospel. So it just, yeah, it goes to show the importance of being there on these platforms, responding to people um, and making yourselves known. Um, and just, yeah. One last point on incentivization, which we covered. Um, I, I, I tend to agree with Lee that it just might not work at all. I was thinking mm. if you you have a really poor product right and you're incentivizing your customers to leave five star reviews mm-hmm. so i've received a pair of trainers the faulty but they're saying to me you can get a 50 pound voucher if you give us a five star review mm-hmm. likely others i'm giving that five star review so then another customer comes on sees that this brand's got five stars they start buying the trainers you know people are only going to be disappointed when they receive yeah, they the feel product. misled and that's exactly. going to make them angry yeah, <laughs> it's going to so, make them leave a negative so you, review you talk about these loops that's a negative loop mm-hmm. like don't go down that path um there is something to be said for incentivizing yeah. but not not like kind of bribing yeah, essentially definitely you know, not i think it, like yeah like leah said it really comes down to making it easy for people to take that action like as easy as possible and i also think you know personalizing experiences online or the product will go a long way to making people feel like they've had a good customer experience yeah i think whenever they feel sort of listened to and validated in that way can do absolute wonders so go forth be positively reviewed <laughs> and i hope you enjoyed the episode